1: This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus, Sirius XM Channel 80. I'm Amber Wilson. He's Peter Burns. We are taking you up until 7 o'clock Eastern, filling in for the guys. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. You can tweet to us at Amber W Sports at Peter Burns ESPN. You can also join the conversation on the CC call in line at 1-888-SAY-ESPN. That's 1-888-729-3776. So Peter, we've got a ton to get to today. You are here so we will absolutely pick your brain rely on your expertise when it comes to the world of college football and the reports that are coming out of big 12 media days Oh oh yeah plus tiger woods he had some interesting comments that have kind of made waves in the world of golf another wheelhouse for you and of course we're always on kevin durant watch or at least it seems like we're going to always be on kevin durant watch but let's start with well, wait, this a minute, wait a minute. Bitch. Before
2: we even start today, I'd like to file a formal complaint. I was going to say written complaint, but I don't even know where I do the paperwork on. The fact that we're on ESPN Plus and they put you on camera and they decided it was so ugly, they decided just to put like a full screen of like an old picture of me. Like, oh, I, it I is just, a picture of you, too. I, you I'm see? seeing
1: it right now on ESPN Plus. You can search for Canty and Carlin to watch me streaming on camera and Peter Burns' headshot. Yeah. It's a that's, nice headshot. You've got a suit a, on.
2: That is a headshot that I had the first day that I worked for ESPN in 2014. Mind you, I did not even know how to tie a tie. I had somebody at like a men's warehouse tie that tie for how me. How old and I were kept you in twenty
1: fourteen,
2: Peter? I don't Burns? Know, eight I'm uh, thirty five years old. Thirty five like, year old
1: man should know how to tie a tie.
2: I was working in radio for forever. <laughs> like how many times would I go to a tie? Like you know, I was team clip on until I was like thirty, and then I didn't have to do that. And so yes, now I had to as an anchor, I had to go learn actually how to do the tie and stuff like that. I'm just jealous. That's all well, I'm saying, Amber. Well, maybe I'm, take I'm a hint today.
1: They, I think, are sending you a message, maybe a face for radio still once again. Although, of course, normally we can see your smiling face on the (laughs) SEC network. Again, you can see mine right now on ESPN+. Plus. So we have a ton to get to today, but Donovan Mitchell, we know that he is now available, which, Peter, it seems honestly kind of silly to me once the Rudy Gobert trade went down that we didn't know at that time that he was available because of the haul that Utah got in return right. for Rudy Gobert. Like, of course, they were at least going to pick up the phone and listen to what maybe they could also get in return for Donovan Mitchell. So are you surprised to see that Utah looks to be on a total rebuild now?
2: Um, it stinks. It stinks. Right. Even Danny Age talked about that. Right. He talked about along the lines of like, listen, we didn't you know, we didn't make it past the first round. We didn't have really kind of any draft picks to work with when the draft came. We didn't we were over the cap, so we couldn't make any moves. And I guess at that point, Donovan Mitchell was like, bro, I've I've given you a couple of good years. Right. Twenty five points. Been an all star the last three years. Like I've given you what you can give me. Like, let's 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 just figure out what's best for everybody. And I think you knew that, right? When Gobert was traded, you knew, like you talked about, Amber, and everyone said, hey, there's going to be some moves that were going to be made. Now, the question is, if you're Donovan Mitchell and if you're the Jazz, and more importantly the Jazz, it feels like you're down to two suitors, right? It feels like you're down to the Knicks and to your beloved Heat. I know that you're a big-time Miami Heat fan. So then the question is, for the Jazz, and I look at this, is what, what do you want? Do you want players, or do you want picks? And I, I can't help but think that if you're Danny Ainge right now, you want a whole hell of a lot of, of, of picks. A, a player here and there, but it's all about picks and seeing the flexibility you can have.
1: I think right now they want it all because reportedly the asking price is going to be incredibly steep for Donovan Mitchell. And of course it is coming off of, you know, five picks in return for Rudy Gobert. So they're going to shoot for the stars. But Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA insider, was on greedy. He gave us an idea of where we are right now on the Donovan Mitchell landscape.
3: Let's judge the Jazz not on their words, but on their actions. Their actions have been that this offseason – They have traded two starting players, one of which is a star, Rudy Gobert, the other, Royce O'Neal, for basically draft pick trades. Uh, That is a total rebuild maneuver. And so, you know, obviously they're not going to narrow the field at this point for Donovan Mitchell, but you have to believe that they are going to want a a draft pick-centered trade. And the Knicks, among the teams that would have huge interest in Donovan Mitchell, have the draft picks. They own – Um, 11 different picks to choose from over the next seven years. You're only allowed to trade four of yours, but they have four other teams. They can trade. So they have up to eight that they can trade. Now, some of them are pretty heavily protected. They would be less valuable in a trade than let's say New York Knicks unprotected future picks, which I'm sure the jazz would ask for. Um, but they are just better positioned on this. Now, Donovan Mitchell is 25 years old. He is under contract for several more years, Um, He is a star player. I do not put him in the superstar class, but he is a star player who has excelled in the playoffs. Um, You do not get your chance to, to, to acquire players like this very often. He will attract a premium price. There will be multiple bidders
1: maybe not a superstar, certainly a star. You heard Brian Windhorst mention there the New York Knicks. Right. And Peter, they're being mentioned a lot because in part what they can offer with that stockpile of draft picks. Also, they have some young, fun players that maybe Utah would want in return. I know they're apprehensive about throwing R.J. Barrett into a deal. It seems like maybe they would You'd have to part it, with though. a Barrett and You'd a Fournier. Like, I-, I think you probably ultimately do it because it does bring star power to your franchise in the number one market in the country. And then, Also, these rumors are out there because, of course, Donovan Mitchell is from New York. So there's that connection. Uh, He's represented by CAA. We know Leon Rose's connection or former connection there to CAA. So there are some, if you're reading the tea leaves, there are some signs pointing to the new york knicks even though new york knicks fans think that they're getting every star ever for and, the last 25 years
2: right but this is the first time it's actually going to deliver right i mean you're talking about reading the tea leaves oh, don't, don't make that face amber because you know exactly what this is and i absolutely love it this is danny ains in the jazz trolling the miami heat they the the, the jazz need the heat right now in these trade discussions because if they're just a one-way suitor and it's just a, only the Knicks are in a position to work with them, that, that they're going to get a good deal, right? But they're not going to get the best deal. And I love it because of all the beef that Pat Riley and Danny Ainge have had in the past, and I want you to give me a full update on that in a second. But this is merely the only reason why that the Jazz have the heat kind of nibbling at the table, Right. It's like knowing that you want to take the really pretty girl to prom, but you're all of a sudden you're like, ah, you know, I I might be going over there. Just let it know that I, I might be taking someone else, right? Because you want to find that interest. And they're only using the heat right now to negotiate a better deal with with the Knicks. And I and, and I love it if you're Danny Age. You're getting a little revenge. I love it. Or maybe
1: the Miami Heat are genuinely interested in Donovan Mitchell and maybe Ainge and Pat Riley can put their history behind themselves because the only thing that those two guys care about maybe more than some sort of petty beef between them would be getting their teams. Better and making their team ultimately on a route to a championship. If you don't know, yes, if you don't know the history between Danny Ainge and Pat Riley, first of all, it goes back decades. But just in 2013 alone, one of the most notorious things that happened between those two in their beef was back in the LeBron years when LeBron was on the heat. Ainge was with the Celtics. Pat Riley quite literally used company letterhead to write a press release that told Danny Ainge to... How do I put this mildly for radio? Here's the direct quote Danny Ainge needs to shut the bleep Mm. up and manage his own team. Those, so this was
2: like a Jimbo that an Fisher, Nick press Saban release. type like, uh, little beef. This wasn't like Biggie Tupac, but it was close, right? It was cl- it's
1: very close to Biggie Tupac. And so now we're expecting those deal- two to get a deal done for Donovan Mitchell. There are some signs there with the Heat, though. We know about their interest in Mitchell. It's a good fit from a basketball perspective. Also, it's well-known Danny Ainge's interest in Tyler Hero, stemming back to Hero's draft in 2019. He wanted to draft Hero. Uh, the Heat just took him ahead of where he was able to uh, do that. Oh, so I want to see Tyler Hero in Salt in Lake Tyler City, Hero. though. Tyler Hero coming see. off the sixth man of the year. <laughs> you know, So he would be the cornerstone of a package if they were putting together a package for Donovan Mitchell. So maybe that works for Danny Angel. There are some other suitors, by the way, Peter. I mean, it's possible. Like a Toronto Raptors team is sure. always in the mix. And then the Brooklyn Nets.
2: Well, they could I mean, maybe again, be in the mix. I, I, right, and I also have an opportunity to shoot sixty-two tomorrow when I'm playing golf. That ain't going to happen. It's the Knicks. It's just a matter of how bad Danny Ainge is going to take them to and, and uh, to the to the woodshed, and how many picks that they're going to be able to get. I, honestly, like, and then they'll have to use like Indeed.com to figure out who's going to be picked for all those picks. I
1: think. Uh, speaking of Indeed.com, that's why you're a pros pro, Peter Burns. Now this word from Indeed. Oh. If you're finding yourself needing to find your next great hire, then you need Indeed. Their hiring solution makes it simple to attract, interview, and hire candidates all in one place. Just sponsor a post and get matched instantly with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed meet your job description. You can conveniently schedule and conduct virtual video interviews right from the Indeed hiring dashboard. Visit Indeed.com credit and are up to $500 in sponsored job credits when you conduct virtual interviews, terms and conditions do apply. So not only are we on the Kevin Durant watch and the Kyrie Irving watch, apparently we're on the Donovan Mitchell watch as well. Uh, What a heck of an NBA offseason it is. So let's have some more fun with the Donovan Mitchell subject. For that, we bring in Tim McMahon, ESPN NBA reporter. And Tim, let's just start with... Potential landing spots here for Donovan Mitchell. Peter just alluded to the fact that maybe there's not as many as we think, that maybe it's kind of like Knicks or bust or maybe Knicks and Heat. What is your take on that? How many teams do you think are actually vying for this deal to get done?
4: Well, first of all, I I think it's very, very early in the process, and and Danny Ains certainly won't be rushed into any sort of decision, but. The list absolutely starts with Knicks, and it's no secret at all that the Knicks have been trying to set this up for years, with you know hiring Johnny Bryant, who was Donovan Mitchell's uh, the assistant coach he worked with on a daily basis. All the CAA ties, you know, showing up uh, sitting courtside at the the Jazz's playoff opener when Mitchell happened to be facing uh, Jalen Brunson of the Mavericks, um, and and they've got they've got all the picks. You know they can they can make a uh, a deal that would be very attractive to the Jazz who, you know they're looking for a stockpile of picks they're looking for young talent they're looking for financial uh, flexibility the Knicks can offer all of that and I think it's just going to be tough for another team to uh, to beat the kind of package that the Knicks can put together the the Heat are very limited on what picks that they can offer uh, I do think the Nets is interesting I I do think that's one worth watching. Um, in, in a multi-team deal where Kevin Durant would also be moved. But that gets very complicated, um, you know, and for one reason, because by rule, uh, Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons cannot be on the same roster. You know, you can't have two guys on rookie max extensions if you trade it for both of them. Um, so it, it gets complicated. And I really do think that the simplest, most attractive offer will probably come from the Knicks. That's why they're the odds-on favorites.
2: So, Tim, if we assume, and I don't think we even have to assume, it it is what it is, the Knicks have more draft capital to give the Jazz than the Heat, okay? Mm -hmm. The only thing that would kind of tip that forward, let's say if Danny Age and Pat Riley were to play nice with each other and not do it on NBA letterhead, is the idea of, hey, my players that I threw in with less draft picks are more impressive than your okay player with more draft picks. Is Tyler Hero – that much of a better player than RJ Barrett to 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 negate the difference in draft picks if those are the two offers.
4: Well, I I, I wouldn't assume that RJ Barrett would necessarily be in the deal. And the, and the other thing here is, you know, do the do the Jazz want to get a guy who is a a good player? You know, in, in in either their case, a good player that you're going to have to immediately. Uh, Lock into a contract similar to the one that Donovan Mitchell's on right now. I, I'm not sure if that makes sense for the Jazz. I, I don't know how attractive Tyler Hero would be to them. I don't know how attractive R.J. Barrett would be to them. I think, yeah, and this is, this is me speaking. This is not, you know, the the, the Jazz's perspective per se. But I, to me, what makes sense for the Jazz is load up on picks and bottom out become the Oklahoma City Thunder and go into a full-fledged rebuild, or, or what the Houston Rockets have done since James Harden uh, forced his way out. I, I, I think the worst-case scenario for the Jazz is, you know, they're, they're mediocre. Um, that, what's the Purgatory. point of that?
2: Right. Right, right, and that's and that's the purgatory of not having a good enough lottery pick, but at the same point, you're not getting bass what what maybe round one if you catch a flyer with some, some different players. Like either be really good or be spectacular. Uh, I, 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 would, I would
4: say, yeah, I would say getting into round one is going to be a major, major challenge for the Jazz.
1: Tim McMahon, ESPN, NBA reporter, joining us here on Canteen. Carlin Amber Wilson and Peter Burns filling in for the guys. So, Tim, how much of where Donovan Mitchell wants to be factors into this conversation, if at all? I mean, when we're on the Kevin Durant watch, we always kind of talk about, well, where does KD want to go? I haven't heard much of that in terms of Donovan Mitchell, obviously a lesser player.
4: Well, you know, the, the short answer is I don't think it's necessarily the determining factor, but... You can't necessarily ignore it. He does have, you know, he's got four years left on his contract, but it's really three years because the last year is a player option. And so the reason I think that it does matter, and then it's really the same thing with Kevin Durant, is because a, a team is going to be hesitant to give up a massive haul to get a player who doesn't want to be there. And then the clock is ticking until, you know, they're going to be facing a situation where they're probably going to have to Move him again, or risk losing him for nothing. So, in that sense, I do think that uh, it, it matters where a guy wants to be. That's why typically when you see stars who uh, demand trades or request trades, they end up going to the destination that they want hmm. to go to. Um, at the same time, look, the Knicks would be high, if not a top, Donovan Mitchell's list, and they've got the, you know, they, they've got uh, position themselves to to make the best possible offer. Um, you know, Miami, I, again, I don't know that they can make that kind of offer, but that would be high on his list, uh, Brooklyn as well. And so I, I think where Donovan would want to be and the teams that realistically could make the best offers or those two things could be aligned.
2: Tim, my last question for you, which is kind of interesting building on what you just said, you talked about, you know, where Donovan wants to be, but it still feels like the Jazz are controlling uh, you know the ship at this point. Never can say that when Kevin Durant is involved in one of those uber huge uh, players. Adam Silver has come out and said this is an issue that they're going to have to work with the Players Association and the NBA as a whole about players signing contracts and then going, I- I'm out and forcing their way in, you know, into a trade. How in the world do you even start to address that? I- I- is it feasible or is that him just acknowledging that the, the-, the league does have an-, an issue when it comes to that?
4: Uh, I, I'm glad that it's not my responsibility to figure that out <laughs> because that that one gets dicey. And, you know, I, I think it's one thing um, we'll, we'll see, you know, we'll see if it gets to the point where it's time to report to training camp and Kevin Durant's still on the, the Nets roster. And then does he report to camp? You know, does he sit out uh, that, that sort of thing? That, that's a whole different situation than just a guy not being happy. And, you know, in the, in the case of the jazz and Donovan Mitchell, uh, this is playing out well for Donovan because I think it's pretty obvious that he would prefer to move elsewhere, but he doesn't have to be the one to come out and say that he doesn't have mm-hmm. to quote unquote, be the bad guy. You know, at this point, if he's still on the roster, come training camp, he can basically say, Hey, you know, as long as I'm on this roster, I'll play hard and the business part will take care of it itself. That's not, uh, you know, I'm not the one in charge of that. and, that would be a, a realistic view of the situation
2: great point.
1: yeah Donovan Mitchell has had uh, quite the cryptic tweets lately, so it seems like maybe him and the jazz are actually on the same page here in seeking a trade. Tim McMahon, ESPN NBA reporter Tim, thanks so much for joining us
4: okay, thank you
2: so amber is it, is it more cryptic than Lamar jackson's tweets and when he changes his well I fairness need money, to lamar it 's red it's mm-hmm. right,
1: it's, his, it's his Twitter header, the picture. Oh.
2: Got right, it. Not right. The tweet and, he just,
1: and Peter, he just said, you know, he's just a big fan of the movie, <laughs> yeah. How High, which by the uh-huh. way, a movie that yeah. came back, came out in 2001, I think when Lamar Jackson was like three years old. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, but he's a big fan. It had nothing to do with the Ravens. Sure. We will get in to the Baltimore Ravens on today's show. We will continue to talk about Donovan Mitchell, but coming up next new big 12 commissioner Brett Yarmark's exploring all options concerning expansion. What does it mean? We'll get into that. This is Canteen Carlin with Amber Wilson and Peter Burns.
3: Why would the jazz do that? 10 seconds
0: on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow.
2: College athletics, stunned by reports USC and UCLA,
4: are leaving the Pac-12 Conference and about to join the Big Ten Conference as early as 2024. It's not
2: that I'm shocked at it. I guess maybe because of the distance. I mean, it's just all of those types of logistics, not only for football, but other sports that will be part of this package. Southern Cal is right back in the money. I think they are eventually going to be anyway because of what Lincoln Riley is doing, but they were always going to be held back by an inferior league.
0: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be.
1: New Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark officially takes the job on August 4th. First, But he is already making public comments that are making headlines. This is Canty and Carlin, Amber Wilson and Peter Burns filling in for the guys. Peter, I don't know if you'd want to be your mark right now taking over the Big 12. I mean, he becomes the commissioner at the most tumultuous time in the history of college athletics. I think you could argue he's got a big job in front of him. He made his first public remarks here at Big 12 Media Days. And he said that the Big 12 is open for business. Here was the new Big 12 commissioner.
0: What excites me most
2: about joining the Big 12 is the transformative moment in front of all of us today. We have an opportunity to grow and build the Big 12 brand and business, be aspirational, define our point of difference,
0: all while never losing our commitment to always compete and develop our
2: student athletes at the highest levels. Moments like these do not happen often, and we must seize them and make the most of them it will require incredible work and collaboration one thing is for sure there is no doubt the big 12 is open for business we will leave
4: no stone unturned to drive value for the conference
1: he went on to say that they're being proactive with the big 12 Uh, they're not on their heels they're engaged in meaningful conversations they Talk to their key stakeholders nearly daily. What do you make of these remarks from the new commissioner? Peter? First
2: and foremost, he, he doesn't even start till August first. Is he getting paid for this? Like, <laughs> do you do you like backdate his pay at some point to be like, listen, I'm gonna, I'm going to do a solid. I'll go to the Big Twelve uh, media days and I'm going to talk about this. But you better make sure that you sign that contract, right? You know what? Well, he was over at Rock Nation, and I think it's mm-hmm. brilliant that they went outside their traditional. You know hey, this guy's been an athletic director, or this guy's been a commissioner before like because that that's that's the world of old sports that was post pandem pre pandemic college athletics, right they all knew each other, they'd always go to these conferences together, and they were the brethren right and I feel like this is a new school approach, so your mark comes at a perfect time he he gets into this situation where he can look at things in a completely different aspect, in a mergers and acquisitions aspect, as opposed to, hey, this is how we've always done college sports. And again, it couldn't have come at a a bigger time for the Big 12 because right now they have to strike while the iron's hot. They have to do it. Okay, that's the reason why the Pac-12 right now or Pac-10, whatever it's going to be called, said, hey, we're going to renegotiate our media rights right here, right now, because they want to lock in Oregon and Washington. There's no doubt about it. And if I'm Brett Yormick and I'm the Big 12, I say I am doing everything I can, every single thing to make sure that Oregon and Washington, plus two other schools. Hell, I don't care if it's Oregon State and Washington State just to get by the politics of having Oregon and Washington come. I don't care if it's Arizona and Arizona State. Colorado and Utah, whatever the other two teams are, those are throw-ins as long as you get Oregon and Washington. And you have to do it fast because if the Pac-10 is going to sit there and go, okay, we're going to sign these new deals and this new television contract, Amber, it's going to be much like how the ACC signed their television contract. And now all of those teams, even if they did want to go to the SEC, we're talking $400 million buyout for Clemson or, mm-hmm. or Florida State along those lines. So that's what the Pac-12 is going to try to do, and if I'm Oregon and I'm watching everybody, I'm like, whoa, 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 let's 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 pump the brakes here and see how this goes. And and again, Big Twelve, go ahead, send me an invoice, Peter Burns. I'll give you the I'll give you my information, the Social Security number off air. You should hire me as a consultant because here's how you fix the whole thing, right? Texas and Oklahoma Amber, are still in the in the Big Twelve for a couple more years, okay? I don't think that they're going to play out the contract all the way to 2025. That's when they're allegedly starting the SEC. I think, in theory, they were going to at least start in 2024, that they would go out and say, listen, buy out. You know, you guys don't want to be here anymore. We've run the mill. You guys give us some money. Good luck to you. If I'm Brett right now, I actually go to Texas and Oklahoma and go, let's negotiate. You guys are going to play this year, but let's negotiate. You guys move into the SEC in 2023. How much is that worth? And come up with a number. Let's say it's $100 million between the two. You know what I'd do? I'd find that number, and I'd call Oregon and Washington right now and go, I'm, I'm going to completely flip the script. Instead of you coming to my conference, I'm going to give you a signing bonus. I'm going to give you guys right now $50 million a year. $50 million right now, Oregon, you sign on this contract. Washington, you come with us right now, I'm going to give you $50 million. Now, there's going to be Big 12 members that are going to be upset about that, going, wait a minute, I I joined just to give you my rights, and you're paying these guys? But when the new television contract will come about, that'll bring them 16 teams, and they'll be able to make bank off of that new contract. Oregon will get their money. Washington will get their money. All the Big 12 teams will get their money. And then and only then will they be close enough to be around the SEC and around the Big Ten as far as how much money they make and how competitive that they can be.
1: So this whole landscape is changing because of money and because of, as you mentioned, television deals. I mean, that's really what so much of this comes down to. Now, USC and UCLA, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, Peter, one of the reasons that they're able to leave when they did leave the Pac-12 is because the television rights in that conference were expiring much sooner than the ACC right now is currently dealing with, as you mentioned, teams like Florida State. Right, they're locked until 2036. So when we talk about these things, with conference realignment, it's very like a very complicated picture because these television rights are not all created equal now the PAC-12 or PAC-10 I believe as you refer to it as uh, that board of directors had given those other 10 schools permission to start exploring options once we had that shocking announcement from UCLA and USC and then also start negotiating for their next media rights agreement because of course that's going to need to be ironed out as well so so much of this comes down to television money so now you're saying. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, and it sounds like you want Brett Yourmark's job, which, I mean, I don't know why you would want that job right no, now, but it seems no, like no, you no. be he quite good No, no, no. He can do all the hard
2: work in that right there. Just get, <laughs> I'll just send an invoice once a month for these brilliant ideas. That's all I'll, uh, well, I'll do. With that I point. will
1: say, this does kind of sound a bit like a brilliant idea. So what you're saying, basically, is you take some of this money that is going to inevitably end up floating around or that these schools are going to have to negotiate if they want out of their television deals early in order to, for conference realignment, and you're taking some of that money, you're flipping it to other schools so now we're just kind of switching schools within the conference. I, geography be darned, Peter Burns, apparently. I mean, it seems I mean, like listen, that ship if, if is USC
2: sailed. If USC and UCLA are going to play Rutgers or Maryland, like, the hell with it, it's, right? It's like, crazy. It, it's, it's done. And so here's the domino effect, right? If you're able to quickly flip it and say Oregon, Washington, you come in and two other schools, then all of a sudden the Pac-6 PAC at that point, right? They will only have mm-hmm. six teams. They're going to have to do something. Either the league disbands or here's the brilliant part about it, Amber – those six remaining pack whatever teams, then they can actually ha- create some type of partnership with the ACC and go. How about this? We'll be like the West Division. You guys be the East Division. We'll team up. We'll be. We'll call ourselves whatever it is. But then that might be forcing ACC to revisit their television contract as well. So that would give the SEC with sixteen teams, the Big Ten with sixteen teams, the um, the Big Twelve with sixteen teams. And now you would have this ACC Pac-12 world. They would combine to have 20 teams. So there's your four Uber conferences. Notre Dame stays at an independent. You get the college football playoff to 12 teams, and everybody is happy. Everybody is Notre happy Dame, if you get you it, it done Notre right Dame now.
1: still being independent goods. So basically you're, you caught it an Uber conference, but basically then it sounds like you're not convinced that we're absolutely headed towards super conferences. Cause in my understanding, a super conference and maybe we're parsing hairs here would be like 30 plus teams and just SEC and big 10.
2: I, I think the game is still regionalized enough that it's important to the tradition and the legacy of the game to have kind of those re- realized or regionalized aspects of it. And again, I think that if you're talking about a 12-team playoff, you look at it. To have four 16 teams conferences is perfect. But again, you can still work with 68. Look at how the NBA, you know, NCAA basketball March Madness works, right? We had 68 teams right now. We would have 68 teams plus a Notre Dame. You take the four, you know, uber conferences. They get an auto bid, and then those eight at-large bids. Boom, you're done. Ready to go.
1: You're taking a sport that I think we've all traditionally thought of as a regional sport with college football, right? Uh, and trying to make it national. But this extends so far beyond just football. We always think of this in terms of football. What does it mean for the, you know, golf team when they go from USC and have to go to Jersey to play Rutgers? You know, there's so much to this. Or the baseball team, or it extends the gymnastics squad. Like, it extends so far beyond just football and the logistics there. So it'll be really interesting to see how this all plays out. We will have on in the 4 o'clock hour, Heather Dinnett. She will be reporting live from Big 12 Media days so we will get the latest from her but coming up next bobby marks calls steph curry the second best player of all time we will get into that this is canteen garland on espn radio
0: Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: ESPN's NBA analyst Bobby Marks and front office insider. He's normally, Peter, a pretty mild manner kind of dude, but he has made some waves because he had a hot take on Tuesday on this just-in with David Jacoby. Here was Bobby Marks telling you who he thinks is the second-best player in NBA history.
0: I actually think Steph Curry is the second best player of all time. Right behind Michael Jordan. Curry has this instinct, what I saw with Jordan, where anytime he has the ball, you think it's going to go in. He is a threat offensively. I think we've got three or four more years of Curry in his prime right now. I would put Curry ahead of LeBron James right now as far I'll as see, that number two guy behind I love this Michael so much. Jordan.
1: That is a way... <laughs> to make some waves, Peter Burns, what is your reaction to Bobby Marks naming Steph Curry over LeBron James as the second best player of all time?
2: Uh, hold on. Like, first and foremost, I would like to file uh, my second formal request on this show. One is that I'm not on television with you today, Amber Wilson, over on ESPN+. Plus. But that has already been uh, talked about a little bit. Number two, there is nothing worse than figuring out what the top five players of anything like Mount Rushmore <laughs> stuff. I get it; it's summertime. But then I hear something like this, and I'm like, "Damn it! If it didn't draw, it didn't reel me in, right? Uh-huh. How many rings does Curry? I mean, right now, Steph ring wise, what does he have? Right? I mean, he's is it three? Is it no, four? It's four, right? It's That's four, right? What up to. So I, I would imagine the rationale there. Is the fact that listen how many you know you won one with KD but the rest were kind of around your team and you go back and look at LeBron and you start looking at all right so LeBron went down to your neck of the woods right down in Miami won it with that with that team won one when he got to to, to L A and so the idea was that was it wrapped around and of course the one at Cleveland but like many I think people will look at that and just go all right the Cleveland one was the purest one that he won because it was him with that team, not him joining a super team. Listen, we're we're prisoners of the moment, but I will say this. There are very few players that I had to watch at every single time they touched the basketball. Jordan was one of them. Steph Curry was another. And, And I don't think it's as far out of the realm of possibility to believe that Then we just laughed at it uh, That's because
1: we like offense, right? Like offensively, fine. We can have this conversation. Now they're both tied in terms of the four championships, but offensively, fine. Like Steph Curry is a juggernaut offensively. Defensively, we can't have this conversation. LeBron is certainly the better all-around player. Uh, But listen, if you want to make headlines, let's go ahead and start a new debate. Now it's not just Michael LeBron. Let's throw stuff into it. Amber Wilson and Peter Burns filling in for the guys here on Canty and Carlin on ESPN radio. ESPN radio is presented to you by progressive insurance. You can tweet to me and Peter at Amber W sports at Peter Burns ESPN. You can also always join the conversation on the CC call in line at one triple eight, say ESPN by the way, Peter, because we are streaming on yeah. ESPN plus. If you want to see me, uh, they've decided Peter Burns, maybe a little bit of a face for radio of, they decided yeah. to just go ahead and put up a picture of him today. Well, it wasn't me. I mean, so the powers that be here at ESPN. So they have changed your picture, though. On Plus. oh,
2: so I got a be- well, I don't even know what it looks like. Is it better? in the midst of the is show? It, it is.
1: It is the classic Peter Burns gray suit. You're like in the midst of talking ah, okay. picture where it's kind of like your profile. You're on set. Oh, so, so they have okay. now made that your. So if shot. I
2: was if I was single, it would be like the Tinder pick that I would use. At that yes, point. it would That's actually.
1: Yeah, it would be a good okay. Tinder pick. Yeah, although it's okay. a little strange because you're obviously kind of. Reacting to something that somebody else has said, but Does, there you go. Do,
2: have they drawn in the little uh Randy Scott Top Gun mustache that I've been they growing out for SEC media days? They have not given you this mustache that okay. you're
1: rocking today. Which, by the way, it might not be the face for a radio component because we know they do have you all over SEC Network all the time. Maybe it's the mustache.
2: <laughs> I think that's more Maybe than likely. Why they didn't have you on? The I mustache. feel bad because I'm growing this out because we're going. I'm doing a Top Gun bit at SEC Media Days on our first day when we do our show. And I feel like because I've been growing this thing out every single day and every time I meet somebody, I feel the urge to tell them this is why I'm growing the mustache. Not because I think it's a good look. Like, I want to go out of my way. That's when I know it's not a good look is where I'm be like, ah, yeah, you see the mustache? It's like a ritual apology. Like, I, I'm growing it out. I'm like telling strangers, at like the grocery store, this is for a TV deal right here i mean if like it was the how...
1: 70s people would super dig that mustache that you've got going on up. Uh, maybe a little confusing right now in 2022 also maybe a little bit confusing was lebron james's recent Just comments as they enough. came to britney griner now i can't talk enough about the britney griner situation on this show because frankly I, I do feel like it would be getting so much attention and listen, Peter, I'm not one to often play the woman card and whatnot, but I mean, the reality is that I think that if she was one of our most famous male athletes, it would be a very different scenario right now with Brittany Griner. And normally when people make that point, they make that mm. point using LeBron James as the example. Like, yeah, this if this is was LeBron James right. wrongfully detained in Russia, then it would be a very different scenario just in terms of how it's being covered, nevertheless, maybe how it's being handled from a government perspective. So it was interesting to hear LeBron on address the Britney Griner situation directly he said on the shop on the official trailer of the shop in reference to Britney Griner now how can she feel like America has her back I would be feeling like do I even want to go back to America so he has questioned whether Brittany Griner should even want to come back to this country. Now, of course, people go after LeBron for this and say, you know, he doesn't love the country or whatever, and he and he walks it back. He there said, is a cottage you know, my-
2: industry for people that, well, as soon as LeBron says anything, they're ready to just go ahead of and course. rip it. That's how of they course. make their own pathetic career out of it, right? Right, and it's now- good
1: news that. LeBron is talking about the Brittany Griner situation. We need that to happen with his platform. But he did walk about He said, of course, I love this beautiful country, blah, blah, blah. But he was addressing the Brittany Griner
3: situation. But here's
2: also, it? like, go one step deeper. This is why I've always thought what's intriguing, the difference between LeBron James and Jordan. And I'm not here to say who was the best or ever. Or as oh Bobby Mark said, I mean, we it was Steph that Curry. Here. We're not. <laughs> But I've always brought up the fact of like, had Jordan lived in the day of social media in this world of overexposure, would we still love Michael Jordan the way that we did? I don't think so, right? Like, I don't like I love Atari video games, okay? Because I reminisce about what they were and, and they they live in this lore. Like, if I start an Atari game right now, I'm like, no, this is horrible compared to the brand new stuff that's out. And I look at this and I'm like, LeBron. If I'm not mistaken, the shop, interu- uninterrupted was his production team's deal, right? Mm-hmm. And, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe that he's like the executive producer on it. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is a prime example of, of just overexposure. I mean, like LeBron, LeBron put himself in this situation and had an opportunity, if you're truly a producer, to be like, well, let me, let me put out the full, co- like what I was really trying to say. Instead, he's got a producer that says, oh, I got a kind of a gotcha moment that everybody's going to talk about, and then he puts it out. And again, it goes to show you the guys that go a little bit underneath the radar and have success, like those. Are, that's the best level of fame that you want to have. Like LeBron's being trying to be too many things to too many people right now. And well, and I, now I, he's I think trying to be a all. media
1: mogul on top of it as oh. well. What what bothers me about this a little bit is what. LeBron was just trying to say is that he doesn't think enough is being done for Brittany Griner and the the story now has instead become oh LeBron he doesn't you know love America or something and and again it's like diverting attention away from the actual issue here which is the Brittany Griner story let's keep our minds on what's happening with Brittany Griner who has been wrongfully detained in Russia now for well over a hundred days and we know that because our government has
3: said she's been wrongfully detained